It's time for Friday Follies, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Poe Green and the Ghost Machine is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Poe Green and the Ghost Machine, episode one. It is the year 2016, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives each week to broadcast from a South Seas barge, crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude... Alchemy. Greetings, greetings, listeners. Please, please forgive the quality of the audio. You see, I'm in a bit of a predicament. Last month, Lolo, my big, planned out the most splendid evening for me, and it was truly mesmerizing. But after a few glasses of toilet wine, I became a little tipsy, and Lolo deemed it appropriate to take advantage of my state. I don't know if I gave that kind of impression, but I am not that kind of narrator. I told him to stop. Face tattooing and scarification are one thing, but what he had in mind was quite another. So I did what any self-respecting narrator would do. I gouged out his eyes with my fingernails and crushed his windpipe on the edge of our steel bunk beds. Now, the prison authorities have thrown me into the hole. To be honest, it's actually the safest place to be at the moment, as the Aryan Brotherhood is a little miffed at me. How am I broadcasting while locked in solitary confinement in the bowels of the prison, you may ask? Well, luckily, I was able to boof a considerable length of copper wire and other broadcasting implements. And I've trained three prison rats, Carol, Linda, and Donna, three lovely ladies, to run the wire through the walls to the prison antenna atop the roof. Why am I going to these lengths to broadcast a silly story? For you, dear listeners. I do it for you. And now the next installment of Poe Green and the Ghost Machine. Poe Green and the Ghost Machine is brought to you by mirrors. Whether fixing a stubborn cowlick, adjusting a necktie, or simply staring endlessly into your own black, emotionless eyes, mirrors are still the best way to see what you need to see. But don't take it from me. Just listen to the maniacal scream laughs of hundreds of tiny announcers reflected in the jagged shards of the mirror I shattered with my forehead just moments ago. Last we left our tumbleweed-dodging friends, Rafe surprised Poe and Herr uh, Gerald with a declaration of his true intentions as an agent of the Office of Incorporeal Management, or OIM, 
Needless to say, Poe was none too happy and had a few pointed queries for this stranger whom he had thought his best friend for the last five years. Now look, Poe, I realize this whole situation may be difficult to swallow, but let's keep this simple for old time's sake, eh? Just hand over the ethereal animate... Ethereal amin 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 ethereal tensimi ethereal animatizer. Keep out of this, Casper. Just hand over the gun, Poe. For old times' sake, you were lying to me for five years, Rafe. There are no old times. Just an endless web of lies you've woven. I thought you were my best friend. We spent hours together frolicking, perfecting Navajo fusion cuisine. Going on booze runs for Pa. We even built this very shed as our own special place. We poured our blood and sweat into it. What do you want from me, Poe? A man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Don't think for one moment I didn't enjoy the hell out of building and using this shed with you. I mean, that was our thing, Poe. Shedding it up on the weekends. Where a Poe and Rafe, they'd say, oh, they're over in the shed, shedding it up. And believe you me, that was the highlight of my time in this quickly and sloppily wiped ass of a town. I can't believe a word you say. How could you do it, Rafe? How could you lie to a man's face for years just because the federal government told you to? Tell me that! I'd like to see what you do when Orm comes knocking at your door threatening to smear your own mother's good name. And lock you up until the end of time unless you do exactly as they say. Don't lie about your own mother, Rafe. That's the coward's way out. I can deal with a liar, but I can't stomach a yellow coward. How dare you call me a liar? You have no idea what you're talking about. I couldn't let that happen to my mother, my sweet mother. My mama, Edwina Diamond. Oh, wow, it all makes sense now. Your mother had a name as ugly as Grandma's smallpox down at the Rocky Crest Sanitarium, and that's why you are a liar and a coward? Why should I give a good goddamn that your dear old mama is- Madam Edwina Faustina Diamond? A stunned Poe immediately yielded to Gerald. She's a medium, Poe. Perhaps the one true communicator amidst a rat's nest of charlatans. All of my kind knew her. She gave us a voice, Poe, and the Office of Incorporeal Management hated her for it. You goddamn right they hated her for it. His kind came to her in droves and caught the attention of I'm, and they locked her up in their crime laboratory. Makes me sick to think what they might be doing to her there. But why? She was just helping out those in need. Control, dummy. You've got a whole new race of people, if that's what you want to call them, running around and only one person can talk to them? What do you think the government is going to do? Get spooked, of course, and act out rashly. They thought she'd help them scheme and put together a plan to take us all out, but she would never. I told her over and over again to leave those poltergeists alone, that no good could come of it. I told her, but she didn't listen. And she's paying the price for helping good old Gerald and his pals. They've gotten into his head, Poe. Don't listen to him. If what he says about Madame Diamond is true, you and your invention are our only means of communicating with the rest of the world. But why me? I got nothing to do with nobody besides Pa. How'd they know what I was doing? Oh, you moron. 
Listen, when you place ads in all the major newspapers surrounding the event areas requesting the black market to procure large orders of event elixirs, you're going to catch the attention of the OIM, and they will find you. <laughs> but I suppose you are aware of that now. Rafe, you ain't getting my animatizer. Poe, I've made it real simple for you. If I don't get that contraption, my mama gonna die. I'm gonna get it, Poe. It's up to you how I go about getting it. You're gonna have to pry it from my cold, dead hands. Fuck yeah! I mean, it's an overused saying, but completely appropriate in the present situation. And might I add, Poe, expertly executed. Thank you. You're welcome. Continue, please. <sighs> God damn it. You see, Poe, these apparitions ain't got nothing important to say, so why even give them a voice? Just, just hand it over, and let the office take care of the rest. As the tension in the room came to a head, a crash outside drew the attention of the feuding former best friends. Oh, batshit! Uh, yes, Pa, after rolling his old-ass ankle, fell into a pile of refuse, had unintentionally rescued his disappointment of a son. Using the distraction, Poe quickly gathered the ethereal animatizer and ran toward the door that was partially blocked by Rafe. He came close to slipping by, but Rafe, now aware of the escape attempt, grabbed Poe by the arm and threw him to the ground and began to wrestle for possession of the contraption. Upon witnessing yet another instance of brutality by an agent of the OIM, Gerald lost it. He released a terrifying sound only a banshee could and charged Rafe and Poe, knowing full well he'd merely pass through them and do no harm, but maybe, just maybe, he'd create enough distraction for Poe to escape. Rafe and Poe were terrified, as they'd never seen or heard, for that matter, a poltergeist exude such emotion as Gerald's ethereal being passed through Rafe and Poe's material being. Something quite unexpected happened. Quick, Poe, run! Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Yeah, yeah, uh, time out. Was that a... Ooh. Oh, I can't feel my hand. Was that just, was that just me, or did you... Yeah, 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 me too. What, what, what was, what, what was that? Oh, for the love of all that is holy, Poe, run! Ger- Gerald, just, 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 just hold on a second, okay? Just calm down. I think we might have stumbled onto something here. Are we for real right now? Could you do me a favor? Absolutely not. Just hear him out, Jer. Poe, could you lock the shed door, please? Good as done. Now, Gerald, I'd like you to float into Poe's body and just hover there quietly, please. Oh, come on. Bear with us, Jer. Gerald reluctantly did as the two creepy guys in the room asked. Like this? Is this what you want? Oh, yeah! 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 Oh, yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on here? This does not feel right. Somehow, Gerald, the human body 
is being sexually stimulated by your ethereal voice. Oh, that's ridiculous. No! Uh, no, it isn't! Uh, uh. You're saying the more that I talk, the more he is stimulated. In theory, yes. What if I say? Uh, well, we we, we we should be careful. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. A Yankee Doodle do or die. A real life nephew of my Uncle Sam. From the 4th of July. Poe fell to the ground in a heap of sweat, confusion, and excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to me. You need my consent before you do something like that again. Now, just to be fair, as well as scientific, I think Rafe here should give it a try. Well, I didn't want to come right out and demand it or anything, but yeah, 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 I should give it a go around. You know, you're kind of the control group, and I'll be the uh, first uh, <clears throat> lab rat. <laughs> Is this weird? The three of us doing, doing no, this? No, no, not at no, all. No, no, I don't bit. see how you I don't would, even know why you ask the question, that, actually. It's definitely not make weird. That connection. We're just three dudes hanging out in a shed. I'm sure we aren't the only ones who like to hang out with our buddies in a lock shed, right? Um, yeah. I guess you're right. Okay. Great. Now, <clears throat> Gerald, I want you to take a free-form approach to this next session. You you don't have to vocalize words or a song, even. Uh, but let, let, let's hear some random sounds, and uh, and we'll see where that takes us, okay? Just, just feel free and, you know, go about it. Um... Yeah, okay, I can, uh, <clears throat> I can do that. Great, great, now, uh, let, let's, uh, let's get into position. Let's just get my leg up here, all right, and, uh, okay, all right. Whenever you're ready, Jer. Whilst Rafe was busy being ethereally milked, Poe took the opportunity to pick up an empty liquor bottle and knock his former best friend out cold. Let's get out of this filthy shed. We got work to do. I feel so dirty. So do I. Oh, really? No. Poe quickly packed what few personal belongings he could, grabbed whatever money was left in the till, and loaded the animatizer on the back of Pa's truck, and made his way to the Intercontinental Railway Station, where he arrived just in time to board the last train headed for the West Coast. The journey was arduous, but Poe and Gerald passed the time as, uh, as best they could. Last stop. San Francisco! End of the line, folks! Where would you look at that? Take a look at that ocean, Gerald. I never thought I'd leave Sklankville, and here I am standing on the edge of the nation. Yeah, 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 it's great. Everything alright? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Actually, I've been feeling, um, a little used. Whew, I am famished. I mean, absolutely drained. Let's get a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, you know, hold on, Poe. What, 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 what are we doing here, anyway? 
But we didn't come all this way just to sample the local cuisine, did we? I may be a dusty old rube, Gerald, but I'm no dummy. When I was scouring for sources of event elixir, I came across chitter-chatter about a mysterious group on the west coast, the Ectoplasmites, an alliance of humans and ghosts who fight against oppression in all of its forms. I don't know, but I have a feeling in my gut that they might be able to help us. What are you, nuts, Poe? I heard they just want to see the world burn. They want governments to topple and anarchy to reign. You think handing over the animatizer to them is going to help us? I don't know, Gerald, but who else are we going to go to? We can't make it on our own. Let's look at the facts. The OIM is our enemy. The OIM is the ectoplasmites' enemy. And what do they say? Oh, 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 I know this one, I know this one. Um, oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. F***. Oh. Don't you hate it when that happens? The enemy of my enemy is... Is... Nope, can't think of it. My friend! Oh! I was thinking of something else. (sighs) I gotta eat. Poe and Gerald made their way down the thoroughfare. Poe's eyes were wide, his mouth agape as he wondered at all the architecture and general activity of the city. His stomach rumbled as the aroma of different eateries wafted by his nose. Soon they found themselves deep in the heart of Chinatown, a place as foreign to Poe as China itself. Gerald, take a look at these funny symbols on the buildings. Must be some of that Avante Garde stuff I read about in Paul's Lady magazines. Wait a second. Dear Heavenly Jesus, it's it's an Asian American. I read about them too. There's so many of them. I can't believe this. I never thought I'd see an Asian American in all my life. Wow, I'm I'm uh, shocked just as you are, folks. I I had money riding that Poe would have been using racial epithets left and right the minute he set foot in Chinatown. Uh, maybe we're we're making progress, folks. Just maybe. Poe spotted a little chop suey shop and found himself and Gerald a seat at the counter. How may I help you? How you doing, sir? My name is Poe, and this here is my pal Gerald. I'll have your finest chop suey. My friend here will have nothing on account of he's a ghost. Ah, very funny. Very funny. Your friend funny man. <laughs> yeah, he's a riot. Holy shit, you can talk? I've, I've never seen that before, a talking ghost. Who are you people? Wait a second, where'd your accent go? Oh, that's just a ruse I put on for the customers. I make 20% more tips when I pretend to be an actual Chinese person. Hmm. A plus for effort but D-minus for cultural sensitivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The name's Skinkman. Nye Skinkman. I know everything there is to know about San Fran. Tell me about yourself, Gerald. Poe and Gerald confided in Nye and told him of the ethereal animatizer and their quest to find the ectoplasmites. Nye had only heard whispers and rumors of the mysterious group and how it was impossible to contact them, but he had an idea. Listen, gents, if you really want to find these ectofellas, you need to start being loud. Get seen, stick out like a sore thumb, get their attention. I think it's safe to say you are the only fellas in town with a gun that gives our ghostly companions the gift of gab. Perhaps we can make a little cash on the side as well. There's one more thing. What? What is it? Gerald? (sighs) Come with me. Gerald guided Nye into the broom closet, and Poe closed the door. Whoa! Oh, holy cat's pajamas! Whoa! Yeah! We're gonna be rich. 
And so they struck a deal and went into business with each other. Nye, knowing every hot spot in town, took Poe and Gerald to the streets, touting the miracle of Poe Green and his ghost machine. For a mere fifty dollars, you could speak to a loved one once again, or, or finally hear the voice of your longtime ghost companion. And for only ten dollars, you could have Gerald take you in the broom closet and give you one hell of an orgasm. They were the talk of the town. This went on for weeks, but still no sign of the ectoplasmites, and time was running out before the oim would be hot on their trail. Tail. Tail or trail. Either works. Whew. I am beat. That had to be our busiest day yet. My dogs are barking, my back is aching, and the animatizer are nearly overheated. It's time to hit the hay. What do you say, Gerald? Gerald? Yeah. How, how you feeling over there? Shattered? Comes to mind. You are absolutely right, Jay. We've shattered our record again. Fifteen hundred bucks per man! That sure is great, now. Uh, but it's been weeks now, and we've heard nothing from the ectoplasmites. Hey, hey, hey. Why ruin a good thing, pal? Have you seen this kind of money before? I know I haven't. If this band of crusaders wants to make contact, they'll do it in their own good time. Get some rest, boys. We got a big day tomorrow. We are hitting up the city nice and homes. Please, no. Poe laid himself to bed while Gerald went off to some corner and wept. He quickly fell asleep and dreamt of simpler times, only to have his slumber abruptly ended by several figures in black robes and face masks breaking into his room and tying his arms behind his back. Look, fellas, I don't have any money. My partner Nye keeps it stowed away someplace. You got the wrong guy. Gerald, seeing that his partner was in trouble, flew out of the darkness howling. One of the masked men pulled out a two-handed weapon of some sort and it released a yellow orb that completely encapsulated Gerald. It was a force field that was somehow impervious to even ghosts. Fellas, please, we, we got nothing to give you. Quiet, boy. We don't want your money. We've heard you've been looking for us. Will Poe find help amongst the ranks of the ectoplasmites? Will the Office of Incorporeal Management track down their number one fugitive? Will someone finally realize Gerald is crying out for help with every ounce of his being? Find out next time on Poe Green and the Ghost Machine. Poe Green and the Ghost Machine is brought to you by Hartman's original sarsaparilla. Sweet, light, Bubbly and refreshing, Hartman's original sarsaparilla brings you back to a simpler time. A time of porch swings and fireflies, grass stains and sparklers, first kisses and homemade water slides. A time when all it took to find your way home was following the sound of mom's voice as it whisked across the dewy summer air. Come home, announcer. It's time for supper. Then you'd skip home, passing neighbors on porch rockers whose names you've long since forgotten, but whose friendly smiles and lazy waves are burned indelibly on your memory, like a lover's secret message engraved on a locket. You bound inside, your mother lightly scolding you for forgetting to wipe your feet. Father comes in from mowing the lawn and tussles your hair with his calloused, grass-stained hand. As mother good-naturedly reminds him not to wear his hat at the table, he gives her a peck on the cheek and plops the hat on your head. All three of you share a laugh. While mom turns back to the stove, dad gives you a wink and produces a bottle of Hartman's original sarsaparilla he must have snuck from the icebox. He brings his finger to his lips with a knowing smile, pops off the cap, and slides it across the table to you. You take a long swig. Sweet. Effervescent. Tangy, tickling, delightful. You wipe your mouth with the back of your sleeve and smile up at your father. But he's changed somehow. He's still smiling, but something seems off. 
You take another swig. Still sweet, but now almost cloyingly so. You choke a little, then recover. You look up again, and you know what's wrong. The man in front of you is made of straw. He's a straw man, and the wind blowing through the seams of the straw house is pulling him apart. You cry out for mother, but she too is straw. Her apron fluttering in a cloud of dust as the wind continues to reduce the straw world to nothing more than scattered pieces. You take one last swig, praying there's some magic in your bottle of Hartman's original sarsaparilla that will allow you to stay. Please, Lord, to stay. Don't let it be gone. Let me hold on to it another moment. Let us all hold on. But as the sarsaparilla touches your lips, it turns to sand in your mouth. You spit and hack and cough, and when you raise your watering eyes, you're no longer in the straw world. It has blown away. Everything now is gray. Father's gone. Mother is there. She looks bone-tired. She ignores you and sits in front of a television set. The program she's watching is some sort of game show. As you peer at the screen, you realize the contestants are your old neighbors from the porch rockers. Only their smiles are replaced by twisted snarls of rage. The gleeful host of the program bellows encouragement as the contestants set fire to a factory and smash its windows with their fists. Mother laughs and laughs and laughs. As the building crumbles to the ground, you can just barely read the letters over the door. Hartman's original sarsaparilla. Oh, my lovely ladies, you've done such splendid work, haven't you? Oh, now line up. Yes, yes, yes. One, two, three pretty little ladies right in a row. (laughs) Time for your din-din, a bit of bread and bone marrow for all of you. Okay, here you go, Carol. Good girl. And Linda, catch. Oh, very good. Last but not least, Donna. Here you are. (laughs) Oh, fuck, Donna, you bit me again. How many times is this going to happen? I'm trying to help you. You know, listeners, you you can only go so far with prison rats. They'll they'll always have a bit of bloodlust in their hearts. You simply can't train that out of them. God, you really pissed me off, Donna. Thanks a lot. Gosh, I don't think I'm cut out for prison life, listeners. Believe it or not, you can't trust anyone here in prison. You'd think in a building full of violent criminals you'd see a little street honor, but but no, sir. This this world is going to hell. I've got a little secret. I've discovered by tapping the copper wire with a rusty nail, I can broadcast a message via Morse code. I think it's high time to put in a little phone call to an old friend. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werner, and Mr. Ryan Whelan. Poe Green and the Ghost Machine, story by Rude Alchemy, with Mr. Hodgkin as lead story editor. This episode written by Mr. Whelan and edited by special guest Mr. Michael Hahn. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit RudeAlchemy.com attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. To support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content, including blooper reels from every season, visit RudeAlchemy.com support. And finally, another installment of Brendan's Jokes. In this segment, I'll read an original joke written by my wonderful four-year-old son, Brendan. Let's see. Announcer, this is Denise. Please stop doing this. You're scaring Brendan. You're scaring your child. 
For the last time, leave us alone. The police are aware of everything you've been doing. Steve and I are keeping a log. Do not contact Brendan again. Denise. Ha! What a little jokester. We've got a regular Danish cook on our hands. <laughs> Good night, folks. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D I G I T A L V A U D E V I L L E dot com. Mm-hmm.